Greetings, everyone. Tommy Hawksblood here. Uh, there's a lot going on. TJ should be joining us rather frequently, shortly. Uh, I have somebody calling in, too, as well. Let me see if I can just open the chat room real fast and see if we can get this rolling. I hope you saw the topic for today. Uh, it's going to be a little hardcore. We're going to go into all aspects of it. Uh, but we shall see. Let me just see if I get the chat room up. I'm still waiting. All right, uh, I'm pulling the chat room up, sorry about that. Uh, TJ should be on in a few seconds. i got to call an aisle, I will pick her up as soon as I say hello. Let me just see who's on on the line. Hello. Hello, Tommy. Oh yes, Bruce. Yes. Greetings. How are you? All right. I'm doing uh, fine, thank you. I uh, just quick a few things. Uh, I was waiting for TJ to call in. We were having a few problems, but uh, I'll give her a few minutes to call in. Uh, disclaimer, everything you hear is coming from different people. We do not support and, and agree with everybody, or they agree with us. Uh, we're allowing this, the guest to call in and, and say and speak his viewpoint. Uh, so it's going to be quite interesting. We've got a couple different topics to talk about tonight, but I'm going to let him describe who he is, where he is, where, where he's from. Uh, so... It's going to be quite interesting. Oh, man. Can you hear me okay, Bruce? Yes, I can. All right. I don't know why I got a double feedback on this, which I shouldn't have. Uh, I just turned off my... Uh, oh, okay. All right. My web. Let me just see what TJ is saying. Oh well, I don't know if TJ is going to be joining us today or not. So, uh, without further ado, uh, the guest that I have going in today is Bruce Cornett. Uh, we'll let him describe his career and who and what he is. All right, uh, Bruce, can you uh, hear me okay now? I can hear you well. Yes. All right. Greetings. Uh, yes, you can say who you are and where you are. Okay. Uh, my name is uh, Bruce Cornett. I'm living in El Paso, Texas, at this time, and 
I uh, got my education, college education, at uh, the University of Connecticut uh, for both a bachelor's and master's degree in paleobotany and a Ph.D. in geology and geology at Penn State University, uh, graduating in 1977. My career has been in uh, biological evolution. Um, uh, getting involved in uh, fossil uh, records, studying fossils, collecting fossils, and uh, attempting to understand uh, evolution uh, based on what I have been taught in the um, academic uh, uh, circle. Uh, basically, I uh, st- started my career out in college back in 1963. And I uh, was approached as a freshman uh, by a holy roller who wanted to teach me about Genesis uh, in the Bible. And uh, I uh, chose instead to go the route of education in in the colleges uh, uh, relative to uh, the established views of evolution. Um, but when I got out into the field later on in my graduate work, I began making discoveries that uh, were quite disturbing. Um, one of the things I would like to do is uh, read from uh, Wikipedia uh, the definition of punctuated equilibrium versus uh, gradualism, uh, which gradualism is based on. Uh, uh, Darwin concept of uh, descent with modification and uh, punctuated equilibrium, which uh, came in uh, with uh, Eldridge and Gould in 1972, uh, talks about uh, how the fossil record does not uh, support the idea of gradualism, but rather of rapid evolution. Um, over very short intervals of geologic time, and uh, followed by periods of equilibrium, in which there is relatively little evolution in a given um, group of uh, animals and plants. What I found in the fossil record is more consistent with what uh, Eldred and Gould did, but I even went further. One of the problems. Uh, is that uh, the critics of evolution, especially the creationists, have said that there isn't any uh, good evidence of uh, of connections between species, that that you get these jumps, uh, and therefore uh, there's room for independent interpretation. Just what is happening? But generally speaking, everybody who studies the fossil record that I have met is in agreement that the um, that you have a progression of taxon through time that become more advanced and different from those that have proceeded in the in the layers of uh, of the rock history. So, uh, in, in Wikipedia, we have a, uh, a definition of mutuated equilibrium, and I will read that for you. The fossil record includes well-documented examples of both 
phyletic gradualism and punctuational um, evolution. As such, much debate persists over the persistence of stasis in the fossil record. Before punctuated equilibrium, most evolutionists considered stasis to be rare or unimportant. The paleontologist George Gaylord Simpson, for example, believed that phyletic gradual evolution, called horatile in his terminology, consisted 90% of evolution. Uh, more modern studies, including the meta-analysis examining 58 uh, published studies on speciation patterns in the fossil record show that 71% of species exhibited spaces and 53% were established with uh, punctuated patterns of evolutionary change. According to Michael uh, Benson, it seems clear then that stasis is common and that uh, hadn't not been, and had not been predicted from modern genetic studies. A paramount example of evolutionary stasis is the bird Osmunda claytonia. Based on paleontological evidence, it has remained unchanged even at the level of fossil nuclei and chromosomes for at least 180 million years. Okay, now that I've established uh, the, the ongoing uh, debate among scientists, I would like to describe my experiences and what I have found in my studies. Uh, and that goes back to graduate school uh, when uh, I was uh, studying the evolution of uh, pollen in the uh, Newark supergroup along the East Coast. Um, at the time, this was uh, between 1973 and 1977, uh, the concept of, of flowering plant evolution was that there were no flowering plants existing before the Cretaceous period uh, older than 110 to 120 million years ago. That uh, in the fossil record, uh, the uh, early Cretaceous, you see uh, the rapid evolution of flowering plants over a period of maybe 10 to 20 million years uh, to produce all of the different types of plant flowering plants that we have today in the world. And it was therefore uh, thought that before this period of time, there were no flowering plants. Um, this concept was about to change radically when uh, my work in the uh, late Triassic, which was 100 million years older than the oldest fossil, recognized fossil angiosperm, started turning up fossils of angiosperms um, in both uh, the uh, East Coast and in the West Coast, uh, Chinle Formation and Dockham Group. There I found a fossil pollen uh, that was indistinguishable from that of uh, flowering plants. Um, I began realizing that there was something going on that uh, 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 evolutionists and paleontologists uh, did not realize uh, that could happen. Um, one of the most significant events in my uh, career was in 1980 when uh, I went with two uh, friends, um, took a week's vacation from from work, and I worked in the oil industry in Houston, Texas, and we uh, went out to West Texas 
uh, looking for uh, a, lo- a, a location that had been found for the fossil of San Miguelia. San Miguelia uh, is a uh, alleged uh, fossil um, palm, triassic palm, that was published by Brown in the uh, in 1950s. As a consequence, um, uh, there was a lot of debate as to whether or not this plant was really a truly an angiosperm because only leaf impressions had been found in, in the rock record until uh, my expedition. And on the very last day of that expedition, in uh, April of 1980, uh, we discovered a complete colony of this plant preserved in growth position in Sunday Canyon, uh, near Canyon, Texas, uh, of the Panhandle of Texas. And that change radically uh, shifted the, the idea of when the earliest angiosperms developed. But here we have an example of uh, a plant that combines features of both monocots and dicots, or two major divisions of modern-day plant. Ones in which the seeds uh, germinate, uh, two cotyledons are produced, and the other in which one cotyledon are produced. All the glasses and palms and, and lilies belong to the monocotyledon. And this plant that we call San Miguelia, um, we, we discovered it combined both features of monocots and dicots that were, are separated today between these two groups. So it looked like a, a, a really good example of, of uh, evolution taking place uh, under the uh, uh, eyes of paleobotanists who were looking in rocks 100 million years younger in order to uh, uh, describe the, the origin of the flowering plant. Um, and then my work in palynology in the, on the East Coast, in the Newark Supergroup, uh, where I age-dated the rocks going up and down the East Coast in these rift basins that formed when Pangaea began to break apart uh, 200 million years ago, uh, I found in the Richmond Basin uh, pollen grains that were indistinguishable from that of uh, modern-day angiosperms um, in, in rocks of uh, approximately 220 to 230 million years in age. But it wasn't until I drilled, or uh, had drilled, uh, several wells in that basin and recovered the uh, rock cuttings and uh, processed them for pollen uh, that I was able to uh, demonstrate the evolution of this group of, of angiosperm-like pollen from one precursor pollen type that was quite different from the ones that uh, appeared in the rock record uh, within a max less than 500 stratigraphic feet of section or no more than maybe 20,000 years of time. And in that period of time, these pollen grains uh, diversified extraordinarily fast. The bottom line was that I could not explain how uh, all of these mutations were occurring so rapidly, um, and that all of these different pollen types were uh, appearing uh, in the rock record uh, 
based on a, the idea of gradual evolution. This discovery fully supported Elders and Gould's punctuated the model of evolution uh, that uh, was, they think they see evolution taking place in as little as 10,000 years. And uh, so the big question now becomes, what is causing this? Um, why uh, can we have mutations happening within animals and plants on call, so to speak? In other words, if one type of animal or plant suddenly and then mysteriously starts to evolve into several different types of plants or animals, um, whereas there had only been one type uh, before this. So that's basically where I'm standing right now with my evolution uh, concept uh, that I have actually gone up here in the field and dug up the, the evidence to support Eldridge and Gould's model for evolution, but that by itself flies in the face of the, the gradualism, gradualism uh, model, uh, the Darwinian model of evolution. And it suggests that mutations are not random, but they are very much um, uh, almost designed for a specific outcome. The pollen types that I found in the Richmond Basin of Virginia um, turned out to be uh, still being produced by many flowering plants today and 220 million years later. But most of those pollen types uh, are found in the monocots rather than the dicots. So I'm still having debate with my colleagues over uh, what, when did the angiosperms first evolve? Now it appears that they had come on to the, had evolved uh, long before their radiation in the Cretaceous, and that, that finally in the Cretaceous, we had an additional burst of evolution of these plants to produce all the modern types of flowering plants. Okay. Are you still there, Tom? Hello? Tommy, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, because I uh, finished my introduction. All right. So now I'm I'm kind of a little bit simple-minded to to what you were saying in detail. To uh, break it down in short, what I kind of perceive is two theories. One, how it took a long time to create, and second way is a short time to create, and that they're basically all kind of related a lot more than they ever assumed it to be. Is that anything close? Well, uh, there are, are rapid uh, mutation 
and, and uh, very slow uh, rates of, of mutation. Uh, that there are right. these two different methods, um, and that uh, we see both types in the fossil record. Um, but the question really becomes, how can you get rapid mutation uh, and produce uh, things other than that are not monsters? In other words, they are very uh, well-organized uh, animals or plants that result from these mutations, and much like they, as if they were intelligently divine. Oh, no, I, I understand that part. I agree with that at some levels because... I, I parts of evolution I accept in, in some vague way because uh, I look at what creatures came and how often they were changing. But I tried to get into that myself personally about how is a creature, entity, even a little bug change into something else? And how long would it really take? And what's making it change? Is it nature right. saying, okay, it's time for the creature to change? Or is it some higher force saying it's time for you to change? And, and I, I was well, going to go into that. Right. I think there are outside influences that, in, that create this change. For example, the radiation of the flowering plants in the Cretaceous now is tied to insect evolution. And insect evolution was exploding. And at the same time that uh, you have all of these different kinds of flowering plants evolved, and we know based on modern-day studies of orchids, for example, that uh, every kind of wasp uh, that is associated with pollinating uh, orchid plants uh, pollinates only one type of or species of orchid plant. In other words, there's a symbiotic uh, relationship between that insect and that flowering plant, and it is the the, the choices that that insect makes that determines what that plant, that flower is going to look like. So there is a, uh, a conscious choice on the part of the insect to select a certain characteristic that it wants, and that brings about a uh, cascade effect in terms of the, the genetic changes that happen in the, in the flower. The same sort of thing that we see happening today with uh, other animals that uh, humans are involved with breeding. So dogs and cats and bovines <laughs> all have been selected for certain characteristics by humans, and we get all of these different types of animals coming out of this. Well, the other thing that, that goes along with that, which really sounds uh, disgusting and wrong to me, is how they're crossbreeding animals with insects. And uh, obviously, it's not nature doing that. It's a human trying to create something different, where they created this new string from a spider and something else. I forgot what they crossed it with. But when they genetically code two different entities together, uh, man-made style rather than natural, or if a creature can really determine whether it wants to change form. I mean, a caterpillar goes through this metamorphosis three times. Now, does it choose? I mean, does every every uh, worm uh, or whatever it is, when a lava, when it's in the water, decide that it wants to crawl outside? And then when it's crawling around, does it say, well, now I want to grow wings? I mean, it's a natural thing, metamorphosis for it. But where did that, who determined that, and why is it still there? It hasn't changed over how many thousands or millions of years. Whereas the average creature, uh, do they decide to become more intelligent? 
and I take some of the oldest creatures, not the oldest one, because the oldest one is a roach, and they have not changed. But something like right. an ant or a bee, do they want to change? Are they happy in their system, their society, uh, where the queen is the queen, and they just do what the queen tells them psychically, however that happens? Uh, do they want to change? Do they want to become bigger? Do they want to change and, and get wings? I mean, there's flying ants too, but I'm just saying, uh, the average colony, do they decide anything different other than create the colony, create the place where the, the queen lay her eggs and things like that? So where does nature split from spiritual awareness? Well, or... well, there are two possibilities that I see. One is that there's an outside force or agent in the environment that is causing a stress to this uh, uh, population of animals or plants and is uh, selecting for certain change to take place. And that change response, that's the response of, of the, that population of animals or plants. The other is the island effect, isolation, as, as Tywin studied in the Galacopas Islands, in which he found that when uh, you have a small enough population of animals or plants, they will spontaneously, uh, seemingly, evolve into uh, different types of, of, of birds or finches, for example. Um, and this may be in relationship to uh, the, the stresses of survival in that situation with the limited resources of food and, and habitats and, and nesting places that there is a, a uh, maybe a conscious level of those birds to uh, to want to be, be, find something different, and that results in a change in the morphology. Uh, so there, there has to be not two things in order to get evolution. Number one, there has to be a choice. There has to be uh, two things that can be selected upon, and then there has to be something that selects for those, one of those uh, two or more uh, characteristics. And without that combination, you're not going to get any evolution. Well, here, here's a quick question I'm going to throw at you real fast. Do you believe evolution is useful? Uh, interesting point. Yes, if the environment of the world is changing. If it's a, a constantly changing set of environments of ecological niches, uh, the animals have to be uh, capable of uh, changing in order to survive in uh, that world, that new world that is uh, coming about. If they don't change, they're going to become extinct. Well, you know, that's funny. I was just writing in my notes uh, two days ago how certain creatures, like a bear, they go into hibernation for four or five months, whatever it is. Uh, roaches don't have to eat for a year. But uh, the human race, we don't adapt anything. We change the condition around us. If it's too cold, we build a house and put a heater in it. We don't change us. We don't change anything about us. I mean, rather than being a, a used to cold temperatures or super hot temperatures, we rather build an air conditioner and everything that does everything rather than change. So why doesn't the human race, which is supposed to be the most intelligent, supposedly on this planet anyway, change itself? I mean, even to not well, eating. I know. Good. Sorry. Well, in the past, um, before we had this global communication, 
and a lot of, of uh, movement of uh, migration of humans from one place to another, uh, when you had a situation set up for a period of time where individual populations of humans could exist independently of other groups and populations, um, and if they came in contact with other uh, tribes, there would be warfare, and one would uh, survive and the other would not, or they would move apart and stay separate. With those dangers um, in, in populations due to environment, you've got many different what we call races of humans, of different characteristics. I mean, you just have to look uh, around the world to see how many different uh, types of humans there are. Uh, and different races of humans are, and these evolved over, uh, you know, thousands of years in the past. I think they have now traced back uh, the genetically the uh, to all one, to a single ancestral type of, of human that existed, well, maybe seventy thousand years ago, and since that period of time, since the Mount Toba explosion, that huge, uh, devastating. Uh, super volcanic eruption in, in Indonesia uh, 70,000 years ago uh, all of the kinds of humans that you see on earth have all appeared since then um, they didn't all exist at back then 70,000 years ago so uh, this was outside environmental conditions that were changing humans the humans weren't changing themselves uh, they changed in place in these different well, areas where they migrated to. I, I know, everything I read, and I used to read all this stuff all the time, follow all the scientific magazines on it and everything else. But uh, here's the thing, and I, I know the truth behind it, which is my truth, but uh, the accepted truth that you change to fit your environment, you change to fit these things. But I look at it this way. Supposedly now they're trying to bring more some people to believe that we all came from the black race. That being so, why would certain features change, like your lips, your ears, and your nose, and your fingers, and things like that change the size of certain body parts, and all that kind of change, uh, when you're still unprotected from the weather and the conditions where you're living? Uh, I take any animal and creature. They grow Animals grow super long hair if it gets cold, and they do different things to naturally protect themselves. With this incredible, supposedly human race, uh, then here's the biggest problem that I have, and I know it's a lie, but the lie that they made people believe is we all came from one race or one being. Now, if that was true, and, and I'll, I'll explain my truth on this if you want later, but we have four races here, really. Black, yellow, red, and white. And those races are different. Now, to tell me because it's cold outside, I'm going to change color? Or uh, because I'm eating rice, I'm going to change into a different kind of a person. Uh, I mean, the aspects of why they have different races, because they're different races. And like you said, in, in ancient times, the races didn't mix. They killed each other. Even in the caveman time, they didn't become part. Sure, in the United States, which most people don't know why many black people are part native, is this, it's been called rape and abuse. Uh, how the black people survived. They went to the red race to survive and live with them. The same as when they started killing all the native people, they went back to the, became slaves. So it was a matter of life that way, but that's how the DNA started switching between black and red people. Uh, so, I mean, 
in the United States, there was seven, uh, 50 million Native Americans in the United States 400 years ago. And in that, there were different tribes. There were 600 tribes. Uh, and between that, most of them came from other countries. I mean, if we want to go before the earth split up and it was one continent and everything else, but there were different tribes. Now, most of the tribes look similar. Why the Tibetan people look very equal to the native people uh, because the tribes did come from there. So, and they crossed when the land was there, they could just walk to it. They didn't have to take boats and stuff. So when the continents actually started splitting up and the races started changing again, then we go back to how come we have different colored races in different parts of the world, and it's not due to the weather, it's not due to what they eat. I mean, we eat crazy food now. I mean, people that live on drugs, should they look like an alien? I mean, shouldn't they change if it was based on what they eat? I mean, our system, our immune system is incredible. It, it, it can destroy anything if we didn't destroy the immune system itself. So I think the human creation was perfect. So getting back to evolution, when it was being created, every aspect of the human body was thought out. It wasn't like nature said, well, let's try this, let's try that. It would take, it wouldn't have been a fast time. So getting back to when you say that altering entity, whatever it is, you're not saying what it is. Call it God, call it uh, nature, call it oneness of consciousness. I mean, what decides that? How does that really work with an entity? And the problem with all this, to me, is after 20 billion years, the human race has not moved forward. The only thing that changed, and this is boggling to me, I don't know how people perceive it and accept it, in all that time, the only thing that changed is the, the, the toys the man plays with. I mean, women are still under their belt. They still keep them down. And, and the only thing they do care about is sex, drugs, partying, and all those things. It hasn't changed. It's not like it changed into becoming any kind of better creation, even working out a relationship. All those things have never changed. I mean, sure, we give... Well, I have, well, I have, well, I have to uh, introduce interject at this particular point and say that there a lot of things are, are changing right now in our understanding of what happened in, in the past. If you only go back to the last ice age, for example, yes, what you're saying is pretty much true. Uh, but now we're finding um, that go back uh, 50 to 100,000 years ago, and there are different kinds of hominids on Earth living back then. Now we have not just the Neanderthals, uh, but we also have the Denisovans. And uh, new work on, on finds in Australia, for example, are uh, showing that the oldest humans currently uh, known, uh, were, you know, come from Australia, and that they migrated up through the uh, Indonesian islands to Eastern Asia, and then across Asia and down into Africa, and then later uh, came back out of Africa. One of the things that uh, Dr. Bruce Fenton uh, is showing in his book, uh, The uh, Into Africa Theory of Human Evolution, uh, he lives down in Australia and is working on all of these new discoveries down there, saying that the aboriginal humans uh, in Australia are the oldest humans on Earth. Um, and uh, so we're now finding additional evidence that there are other kinds of humans, humanoids, living on Earth 
400,000 years ago. They just found a skeleton at the bottom of a cave in, in Spain of a Denisovan that is uh, 400,000 years old. Oh, oh no, I'm not saying that. I agree totally with that. I mean, uh, they don't talk about the giants inside the United States. They don't talk about a lot of the things that existed. I mean, it was. I'm just saying the exact human race that we are right now. I mean, I don't believe we're, we split from yeah, a monkey. Yeah, yeah. Right, we're, we're the survivors. Okay, whether we. No, and there are others who believe that the monkeys evolved from our ancestors. So, uh, right. you know, there's a, a lot of un, uncertainty right now in terms of which came first. I mean, if you take the chimpanzee, there's only about a 4% genetic difference between chimpanzees and us. And, well, the, uh, wait, wait. On that alone, uh, you can say their, their fingers, their, the way they go to the bathroom, the way they have sex, the way they do things are similar to the human race. Except one thing. Right. Their brain's small. A human's brain right. is like six times bigger. So I'm talking like going back to the caveman time, what size was their brain? Uh, and then why they show you well, these ancient skulls with the big well, brains, supposedly. Right, right. Well, the, well, of course, the Neanderthal had a slightly larger brain. And then these uh, long skulls, these giants, had huge brains that were 30% bigger than our brain. And right. uh, with that, does that equate to more intelligence? I don't know. But the one thing uh, that we do know from the history of, of the um, Native Americans is that these uh, red-headed giants were cannibals. They had no human morality like we do. I mean, they had no problem uh, hunting down uh, us and killing us right. and eating us. Right? No, no, I know that. Right, that's for sure. No, I know that. I, I was with the oldest Hopi elder in the United States before he died. The oldest. He was the oldest Hopi elder, Thomas Binyaka. He carried the Hopi prophecy. So he was one of the smartest people in, in the Native nation of the Hopi tribe. And I was with him rather shortly after he died. But in that, when I was with him, he explained about his history. So the human race will never accept it. They're not going to be prepared for what's going to happen. And this was all a month before he died. He says, you know, they, were, they lived underground. They were the only beings in the United States. They were never brought here. The only tribe out of 600 tribes that actually lived in the United States from the creation of the United States. Uh, they lived on the ground. They were given the, 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 this message to come out to meet races outside their, their cave. They had a different god. They had a lot of different things going on. But they did come out. And from that point on, the, the United States, when it was being taken over by Spanish and British and, and the English, they wanted to destroy their truth completely, even though they denied the Hopis. And they tried to wipe out the Hopi race every which way they could. They tried to get in the fight with the Apaches. They tried to get everybody to fight with them. Lakota, I mean, uh, Navajo people, it never went down because the Hopi people are the most peaceful people. I mean, it's one other tribe, but nobody even ever heard of them. But the Hopi people only, and this is, I know this because I work with them, uh, the Hopi people are the only race on this planet that have a different DNA than every other race on this planet. So they weren't a mixture. They didn't come from the black race. They didn't come from uh, the yellow race, the green race, the purple right. race, they, whatever race. They, they, they were put on Earth from outside the Earth. They, they are extraterrestrials that were seeded here on Earth. Well, you know, so was every other person. Uh, I don't so, believe that have, anybody was born here. Well, that you know, we can get into an interesting discussion on that. 
and, and it really depends on what evidence you, you stress and what you don't. Uh, but the fascinating part of uh, based on an evolutionary biologist is how can we get so much similarity between uh, a, a humanoid that has evolved in another world uh, separate from our world and that then uh, is, is brought to our world and has such similar genetics as right. other um, primates that live on this planet. So there's a, there's a paradox here, okay? And uh, the, the overriding implication is that there is something that is causing uh, humans to evolve uh, similarly in different parts of the universe. It's, a, it's the same sort of thing with uh, if a mammal uh, or a bird wants to go back to the sea, wants to become to live in the sea, it has to develop uh, a, a form that is, resembles that of a fish. It has to develop a, a, a tail and fins like that of a fish. And we see this happening time and time again between the whales and the, um, the penguins. And so that the, the environment uh, requires that the animal uh, conform to its uh, physics and not to uh, the physics that existed on land. And so the, and then the question becomes, if any animal wants to become humanoid, evolve into a, a form that is similar to us, Will it end up with a similar genetic profile? Well, and I could see now. Here's the thing. Obviously, there's no proof of, of a lot of the things we're going to talk about. Of what we are talking about. I mean, there's synthetic truth and program truth, written documents that say certain truth. But I, I, I will ask you this. I don't know personally how, what, well, or are you aware of your past lives? First off. All right, and how far back do you go? Because luckily for me, I became aware of probably all my past lives. And from the time okay. I was alien, the time I came to the planet Earth for the first time, and I looked at the races, I looked at what happened. And basically what I know for a fact, and I can debate Mr. Zachariah Sitchin all the way down to everybody that believes Anunnaki, uh, who brought us here and how we became what we became. Like you're kind of what you just said, we were human aspects of different races that were similar. We kind of had the emotions and, and things that all kind of reacted the same way. Now, the races that are here, the only one that I would say is the closest to us is the Pleiadians. And they are us because they're us from the future. Billy Myers went into great detail about that, didn't understand a lot about it as well. I mean, he screwed himself up by doing a lot of dumb things to make them look like he can make a robot alien ship and different things and all these other little things he did, taking a girl from Mickey Mouse Club and saying that's one of the aliens and all these things that really hurt him. But he was working with the race. I made friends with Fred Bell. I think Fred Bell was the most intelligent person I ever met. First off, he did work with Billy Myers greatly. He was on their ships. He never bragged about it. He never just constantly wrote about it or talked about it. He kept a lot of that secret. I mean, he was a doctor. He created all these vitamins and, and things. He created uh, these nuclear reactors. He sold them all through Japan. And he did a lot of work. 
I mean, he was trying to get Billy Myers to move to the United States. Then Billy Myers did something that nobody else has ever did either. He wrote a list of a thousand, a thousand, a hundred prophecies in 1950, and he gave them to the whole world. He sent them to every government on the planet, and he was told by the plea agents what was going to happen. And 89 of them came true already. And I'm not even sure if more of them came true within the past couple of years because I didn't follow up on Billy Myers over the past couple of years. But in the interim, everything he said about what we were going to find, what star systems we were going to find, everything he said came true. So I don't think there was another psychic on this planet that was as close or as exact as he was. So when the Pleiadians, like I said, they're us from the future. So obviously they can tell them what's happening. They don't want us to destroy the present. If we destroy the present, we destroy the future, then they wouldn't exist. So obviously they're here to help us, not to change it, because we did get to where they are. So it's just making sure we don't screw up along the line. Now, when I became friends with uh, Al Bielik, uh he also said they killed somebody when they went back in time. And then he was offered $4 million to go back to re repair that. So in that interim, we changed history again. And that causes a, a ripple in the whole wave of life. I mean, killing one family off can change billions of families being born in the next 10, 10 trillion years, whatever. But all that comes together again when we say, who, wh who are we? How did we get here? When we say we came and we were brought here, we were brought here as humans. We weren't brought here as creatures and then alien, and the Anunnaki rearranged us and converted us into slaves and, and murderers and stuff. They did program us. I will agree with that part of it. I, I've been in this all my life. I, I didn't want to get involved with the whole UFO thing. I was forced into it when I was six, and it never left me. I mean, I started my spiritual quest then, and they're so separate because I truly believe if any of it was important, we would have to deal with it now, which we're not. We'd rather deal with all the lies we created about life and creation and, and why and who cares about a race that was here 10 trillion years ago that came, destroyed the planet, and left again? It doesn't mean anything to us. Does it mean they're real or not? Yes, it does. But does it help us? No. If they can't help us in the present, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the Hopi people were very spiritual. The United States went in there and stole their most sacred symbol, which was used for all their prayers, all their birth ceremonies, and everything. I mean, the same as the Lakota people are still in court for fighting to get the Black Hills back. And I got involved with that for a while. I think the laws, the, the suit's up to $90 million, and the government doesn't want to come to a deal. They want their land back. It's just what we do to people. And we say evolution of what? Not the brain, not of consciousness, because we're the most... And, and here's where I'll debate anybody on a planet about how intelligent the human race is. You would think... In even 100 years, or even 50 years, or 20 lifetimes, soul would be a little more aware of abuse and compassion and love and all those words, which we are not. And if you trace history, and I trace it back as far as I could, when love was actually created, or how it was perceived as being a real thing, to where it is now, what did it do for the human race? We still pay to have people beat people up. We still pay tons of money to have a football game go on. We don't do anything to connect with each other. We let children starve so we could go see a football game. I mean, the mentality of the human race has deteriorated. I mean, the Hopi people are so much better. And I would also say this. Tribal people 
around the world lived together. And they weren't out killing each other, ever. I mean, they, they fought to survive, but they didn't fought, fight to kill each other. Uh, so evolution, is it beneficial to anything? I mean, oh, to survive. To survive what? I mean, like the penguins are going to be have no place to go very soon. And it's sad. They spent their lives just marching back and forth to keep their baby, to, to, to their whatever the, uh, the little penguin is, to grow. So how do we move forward and say evolution's helping us in any way? Why not stop one it? Of the things, uh, Tommy, one of the things that has been uh, a question in my mind is that as you bring up the concept of the penguin, which requires uh, an Arctic or Antarctic type of uh, climate in which to live with with its uh, uh, ocean uh, sources of food, correct? It, in right. other words, you, you can't get the penguins to live in a tropical uh, jungle, no. right? Right. All right. right. Uh, so how did these penguins survive if they haven't evolved recently? Uh, during the last interglacial, which existed from approximately 118,000 to 140,000 years ago, when we have the evidence that the Earth was like it is today, uh, where the uh, during in the middle of the Eemian interglacial, the global temperatures now they've discovered uh, rose three to five degrees centigrade, hotter than we are today in the middle of that interglacial. What happened to all the woolly mammoths? What happened to all the penguins, uh, etc., up during that period of time when there wasn't uh, enough uh, polar ice to maintain the environments that these animals live in today? So there's, there's a lot more going on here that we don't understand as to how well, uh, we can, maybe these forms of life um, change and evolve very rapidly into things that can survive and then they change back into what they were before. Uh, one of the problems with uh, uh, geneticists understanding our DNA is that, you know, there are only about 4 or 5% of our genes and our, our chromosomes, 46 chromosomes, that are responsible for making us what we are. All the rest, uh, they, they term junk DNA, which is really not junk, uh, right. but it's our the archive DNA. It's old characteristics, old genes that have been turned off that can be turned on again under the right circumstances. And thus, that, that animal or plant can morph into something that it needs to in order to exist and then later on morph back into what it was before. So the, well, we have a, a, an archive within each of our bodies of, of characteristics that uh, are are not just junk. They they are there for our survival ultimately. But uh, how does a penguin survive uh, an interglacial? <laughs> We're in the middle of our interglacial, and we still have enough ice at the poles that these penguins can live and survive. Well, th- did that well, con- situation exist back during the last Eemian? Well, here's what the thing. Now, on that, it, it's see, I, I I've experienced it from different levels. Now, soul, spirit, and God, however people want to perceive that, are aware of everything that's going on completely. So when a species leaves the planet, it is no longer needed. It doesn't need to come back. 
We don't need dinosaurs walking around on the planet right now for no reason. We don't need the mammoth. I mean, even the buffalo doesn't, we don't need buffalo. We got cows. Uh, so the creatures that were here are no longer needed. Lions are going to die out. All, all these other creatures that they're killing, even the elephants being slaughtered to extinction. If they destroy the whales and the dolphins on the planet, the world will crash. They create vibration for the planet itself. And people don't even have that awareness yet. But the government knows it. And I can tell you that for a fact, too, as well. They're totally out there destroying the dolphin whales, dolphins and whales because they don't want them to survive. They know they're creating a certain energy. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. Maybe that will be some other show. But right now, the creatures that are leaving are not needed. We, we don't need. And now, two countries already decided they could create meat without using animals. They can grow meat in, in a Petri dish. And it's supposed to be released within a year. So maybe at that point, we don't need animals anymore. So the idea that we need or this creature feels like it has to come back. No, we don't need a roach on this planet at all. We don't need those things anymore. When they were alive here by themselves, they needed themselves. But if they come back, we'll just get a better bug spray to kill them and to destroy them. So life... Who who are we, Tommy, to decide who lives and dies on this planet? Before humans uh, were uh, created civilizations on this planet, and we don't know really how far back in time that we have to go before that all began... It could be 50,000 years, could be 100,000, could be a million years. But at some point in the past, we know that human civilization did not exist on this planet. Who are we to say that all of those animals and plants that existed on planet Earth at that time didn't have a right to exist? Oh, I don't no. think when so. They were here. I don't think we when, can make when, that no. decision. When they, no, when they were here, spirit allowed them to be here, period. When we were brought to this planet, the God that, the, well, I call him a God, but he was a deity that brought the human race to this planet. He brought nine races to planet Earth, and it was allowed. Five of those races left, and they all became gods into different religions because they were powerful. We all had psychic abilities. We have psychic abilities within all of us, but nobody can touch them because they're not aware or, or how to use them. If we were, we'd have to be aware of God because when you get energy and you become powerful, you become the most biggest threat to the planet. And if anybody on this planet was 100% psychic in any way, they could destroy the whole planet or take the whole planet over. So spirit knew all that. It's, it, it made sure that that can happen, and it doesn't. So when we say, well, who has the right? Well, when, when, a, when, a, when a lion's coming in your house and eating your child, you, you try to stop it. So we, self-defense is one thing. But when we decide to go to another country and kill people, that's something totally different. But again, that's why 10 laws were given to this planet, to survive and be in a, in a balanced state. And we can't even follow that. I'm not saying Moses created them because he didn't. But uh, those 10 laws that were in the Ten Commandments had nothing to do with hurting anybody, destroying anything, or taking anything away from anything. So mankind creates religion creates theories after theories, and that's why I'm going to do a series about conspiracy theories every week now, is because people want to believe a theory, and the only difference between a conspiracy theory and a theory is more people accept the theory rather than the conspiracy theory. I'm not saying the conspiracy theories are wrong, but they're not accepted, so that's why they call it the conspiracy, to take your attention off the real theory. I mean, if we say 
the story we evolved from an ape is one one ridiculous theory, which it is, the same as people still believe the flat earth is true, it's still a theory to them. So we have to be realistic. Why does this all happen? Not because nature said so. Nature doesn't exist in the dimensional realms, not the way we perceive it. And until man understands the aspect of soul, it's never going to understand the aspect of man. Because the body and all these bodies these creatures take are only one slight step in their invol- in, in, uh, future awareness in themselves as, a, as an entity form. Uh, I mean, a cell is a cell. There's static awareness and then there's real awareness, means soul awareness. And it's so different. A plant's not aware of God. It's a, aware of food, water, moisture, things like that. So there's a level of awareness that has to change worldwide for us to move forward, which isn't happening. And sadly, we're moving backwards. When everybody says they're God, we are in trouble. To say that, okay, we do decide what's happened because we're going to be spending all our money to go to Mars and to the moon because only a few people are going to get to go there. And if people allow that, they're just as ignorant because that money could save the planet. The bombs that they're building could save the planet. They don't care. Let's fracture. Look what they did to Hawaii in the past four years. It's a disaster. What's happening to these other countries today, yesterday, in the past two weeks? These earthquakes. There's earthquake wars going on right now. I've been watching it for the past year. Russia's been getting super amounts of earthquakes, the same as Alaska has. Sure, the Earth's going to change because we have a major earthquake. It shifts the planet. The more the planet shifts, the more everything else is going to be affected. So it's, it's evolution's one little thing that plays a role in our past. Is it helping us in the present in any way? The Pleiadians, which I consider an important race, because they're very much humanized looking, uh, what they are going to do for us if we really screw up. I know they can stop all the nuclear weapons from going off if they have to. I mean, they're not that dumb. Whether they will or not, maybe they will let go of the biggest population, which is what part of the New World Order wants. So who do we really look up to? What do we follow? And I say, we're at a place now. Learn about everything you can. Try to figure out how the human race really got here in your own belief, in your own way, what you, what you can perceive and make it reality in this world. If whatever you believe your truth is, and you can't prove it to yourself in this world, is useless in my viewpoint. Because knowing that Six billion years ago, when supposedly the chimpanzee split from the human, uh, the, the, the human conscious being and split, uh, what's it mean? We came from a monkey? Their brain went stupid and our, our brain got bigger and stupid. So it doesn't mean anything. We don't have as much hair. How much changed between those two creatures? Very little. And here's something that people don't know. A monkey can only speak 50 words. A dolphin can speak 150 words. And they understand the language. So there's such an incredible difference in that one little creature or one big creature. So evolution, did it change dolphins? Does anybody know the difference between whales and dolphins? They're they're very old creatures on this planet as well. But I mean, they tried to say 225, what is it, 250 years ago? 250,000 years ago. uh, The human race, I mean, uh, the first fish was put on this planet. Uh, what? 25, no, no, what? 25 million years ago, they're saying the first fish and the first land plant was put on this planet. 
no, no, no. That, that goes back about 350 to 400 million years ago. Okay. Well, uh, you know, back during the uh, Devonian and uh, the um, the Ordovician and, and, and Silurian and Devonian, when you had the earliest um, uh, animals and plants uh, about on the planet, well, I, a long I mean, time before that. History them. changes again. It's who you want to listen to. This what I just put on my notes today. 25 million years later, after the 6 billion years when monkey and all that, the time of the first fish and land plants, the strip of land that was used for small islands which broke off of South America and Africa, began moving across Lapidus towards North America. So it's, it's, it's history changes by the person that's trying to prove the facts around it. And where do they get the information? How can you prove something 6 million years old? by the bacteria in the earth, by the levels of the ground. I mean, it's like a tree. You measure the tree. No, no, no. Tommy, Tommy, that comes yeah. from radiometric isotopes. For as best as we can, uh, it, it doesn't come from carbon-14. It goes only back about uh, 70,000 years. But uh, all of the uh, radiometric ages... Uh, uh, are used to determine uh, uh, actual actual rather than relative Bruce, age. just to show you how much of a fallacy that is, take the Shroud of Turan. They can't prove that either way. They can't prove anything positive or negative about it, period. And they did every kind of test on that, every kind of research on that, and they still can't prove one simple little thing. And now, you know well, Brian no, Williams, right? Wait, wait, wait. I disagree. Wait, wait. I disagree you know with Brian you Williams. on that one. Wait, wait. You know yes. Brian Williams? Yes. You know what an out-of-place yes. artifact is? Right. All right. You, science can't prove or disprove that, what it is, how it got there. And, that, well, and they're being found the time, everywhere. Well, the, the Trout of Turin, for example, the only thing that they haven't been able to determine... Uh, and I'm in contact with uh, Dr. Kenneth uh, Stevenson, who was on the Strup Committee, who actually examined the Strup term. Okay. And, um, I, met, I talked book. to three people that did. Okay. And, and, and uh, I, you know, I've looked at the pollen data that came off the shroud, it was pulled off, put it back in, in the area of Jerusalem in, in the first century, okay? But the only thing that they haven't been able to adequately explain is how the fibers of the cloth became firmly mature just on one side and not the other side. Well, that's the most important part. That's the most important yeah. part of the shroud because that's the part. Hold on one second. That's where the image is is is, is uh, burnt into the that shroud, and uh, they've tried to do it by putting a cloth on a hot you know uh, object um, and and to thermally mature uh, just the the contact side of it. But the one thing they they are certain of is that that image that uh, thermal maturity. Uh, the darkening of the organic uh, fibers in the cloth happened very quickly. That's about the only thing they can be sure of. And that it, uh, uh, everything else beyond that is speculation. Right. So getting back to an out-of-place artifact, Brian had a piece of artifact that was completely out of time frame, the knife that was inside a rock. So how can science come up with a solution or an idea of how it was created? 
Well, you can. It wait, can wait. come up with different theories, and it can test those different theories. I mean, they've found things that look like spark plugs in concretions in uh, the Death Valley, for example. Now, where right. did that come from? All right. Uh, well, if you exclude prior advanced civilizations on this planet, then you just throw out the baby with the bathwater. Uh, now we're coming up with understanding that there were prior advanced civilizations, whether they were humans as we would define humans or some, something else, another humanoid, whether that humanoid be evolved on this planet or came from uh, out in space. We don't know. But now we're just at the point to realize that the history as defined in textbooks is a much, most of it is a lie. We, oh, no, our I, that history, I agree with. But see, the other problem is time travel. If you accept it, that we actually can do time travel, if a person accepts that, which I totally know is true, if you accept that, then you've got to go into the aspect, the alien race that gave Tesla that technology already was doing it. So at that point, they could put a city underground whenever they want. In a loop. No, no, it's basically right. what you're talking about is a loop. And that, uh, that all time, past, present, and future, exists at the same time. So that right. uh, everything can communicate. In other words, the future determines the past, not the past determines the future. Is what right. you're basically saying. And that right. concept, I think, is, is right on. That we are in a type of, uh, a, uh, you know, uh, um, loop, a time kind of loop that is uh, correcting for its own mistakes. Well, you know, if we just listen to each other in a good way and put the facts together, you know, it's like taking three scientists and putting them together as one instead of have ten scientists working on different things. We could, we could do incredible things. We could, we, could, we could travel to the whole universe. We could do multiple things, feed all the starving children, if we were just intelligent enough to work together. Like you said, but the problem these... is we're not. Tommy, we're most not. of us are not. Oh, They're right. And what, what we do know about the history of, uh, that is recorded in uh, history and in Scripture is that, the, um, that human forms or humanoids on Earth have gone through a, a boom and bust cycles. I mean, the so-called Great Flood was in order to, to remove uh, most of the, the giants, the methylene that had existed on the planet. So what makes you think that the next great uh, catastrophe, global catastrophe, is not going to remove most humans from the oh, no. planet? I, and I start feel it over has again? to. It has to. We're so right. far down. I think you exactly. have to purge this planet of, uh, you know, you, you speak of the, uh, the cockroach, okay, being around for a very long period of time. Well, we have uh, replaced the cockroach in terms of uh, causing damage to this planet. Exactly. And, and, and that is the problem right now, that we are the parasite, and we are too plentiful. And the, the elite, the mega-rich that are in control of all of this, um, I was listening to, some, uh, to a lecture by uh, David Adir, who is a, uh, a rocket scientist, and, mm -hmm. and he was telling me how uh, we, he and his group had developed all sorts of stuff to live in, in, in a space that would bring about 
uh, the free energy and bring about, uh, you know, medications that, that uh, gave all of us good health and these mega-rich didn't want it because it would destroy the oil industry and destroy the pharmaceutical industry and their profits. So all of this has been because of greed and, um, and deceit. And I, uh, I see that this, we're, we're, a, we're a runaway uh, semi headed for a, a solid wall and we're going to crash or going to go off the edge of a, of a cliff. On this one, it is the, well, Bruce. Um, do you remember Sam Sherman? Yeah, of course. I, he's a co- very close friend. Why? Do you know what he why he turned against Brian and me? No. Do you know he lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his business. He lost so many things. Uh, he did send me the Air, uh, Edwards Air Force uh, audio, the original recording of that. Uh, was the last thing I ever got from him and talked to him. I mean, I talked to his wife, but uh, he's gone. He lost his house and stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's blaming Brian and I for that, uh, which he could be. I mean, he he got involved with the UFO thing, so whether they came after him for that as well, who knows. But I was just wondering if he knew anything other than... He had to move out of, uh, was it, uh, uh, that part of... uh, uh, New Jersey, where sure. he was living, right, and and moved to uh, Freehold, where he's living with his family now. Uh, he's doing okay, um, and uh, you know he's starting to get back into into the uh, the UFO field. But yes, there was a period of time when he just sort of went off the radar. Uh, remember the Mohawk when we were all there at Mohawk uh, right. Resort in right. in New York and uh, gave our talks. Um, that was extraordinary. Uh, but that was the last time, I recall, all of us being together. And uh, well, then things started to fall apart after that. Well, Brian and I went to his house a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I, and I was there. He, too. These things. He, he, he said he told us a couple of different things and everything. Uh, I was getting along really good with his wife and his daughter. And it was like, I didn't know what happened, and all of a sudden it just like a bomb blew up, and he wouldn't even talk to me on the phone. Luckily, his wife picked me up and started talking to me. Uh, I was just wondering, because Brian, I mean, he just turned his face against Brian as well. Uh, don't forget, Brian proves what he says. I mean, he's not like all these other UFO people taking pictures and saying things and saying this is that and that's that. I mean, if we make a mistake, he'll come out and say it. I mean, and he openly admits it if he did something wrong or actually took a picture of something and realized it wasn't what it was or something. Uh, not like many other people. They put pictures up that, well, somebody said it was a UFO, and here, this is a real UFO. Again, I'm, I'm a rebel. I, I'm in Hawaii. I see UFO stuff going on all the time now. And it, it just boggles my mind how uh, I'm right next to one of the biggest army bases in the United States, uh, and they don't say much about it, don't talk about it, and... What they do is incredibly wrong. I mean, fracking is wrong anywhere. Uh, never mind blowing bombs up on this island is ridiculous. So we've we got a scenario of people, like you said, the rich people, destroying the planet, controlling the planet, so that normal people with, with a consciousness and, and, and some kind of a brain could actually use it. And I said, the Ten Commandments don't control the thinking of a human being where government laws do. I mean, 
even legalizing liquor, which I think is wrong, and making marijuana illegal is wrong. So the two things that would change the amount of people dying and the level of anger inside the United States could change in a day. If they outlawed liquor tomorrow, imagine, I'm sure everybody would be upset and crying. But if it, was, if it wasn't legal, and marijuana was, pe- people would be peaceful. Even that alone would make the world a better place. But they don't want a better place. They don't want children. They don't want lots of children. And why do you think people, the government sends children to war? You don't take a 17-year-old child and put him in a battlefield like he's going to know anything, have any kind of awareness. I mean, the, the, the age for, for, for the army should have been 24 to 34. You have somebody that's a little mature, a little developed, and a little bit smarter. And maybe we wouldn't have had it lose so much to, to, to get anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, our system's so screwed up. And, 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 and I know the quote's pretty overdone, but... Like Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to get into heaven. And I prove that to myself almost every day of my life. I live with two millionaire families. I live with a billionaire family. And it just shows you the ignorance of money, what it does. I, and everybody wants to blame the Anunnaki or reptilian race or the greys and everybody for the problems we have. I said, no. When you tell your wife you love her, your girlfriend you love her, are you willing to go through a couple little things to make it work? So who's this programming? I mean, there's, there's other programming going on within our thinking. And I say it, it, it comes from Lucifer. Lucifer was allowed to control this realm. And the aliens as well. Right. They're all under Lucifer. So it's like, and God allows it because he, he, he makes us grow. If we don't grow out of here, we stay here. And like I said, evolution means you, you're going to grow here rather than become aware and you can leave here. Ascension means to leave this place, not stay in this place. Reincarnation just means coming back to this place. So those right. words are critical you, in my book. Right. Right. Well, you have, by your own admission, said that you've come back to this place. How many I times? did. Too many times. And but so I know I. why now. This lifetime, I learned why I did, which is the most important thing, is to learn why you're here. And then you can right. leave. But you can't create karma doing it. You can't kill somebody and say, oh, I'm going to go to heaven now, or uh, wherever you think you're going to go. It, it's a matter of paying off your karma. But being respectful to that, knowing that you have to pay it off, not making more. And people that think right. they can do whatever they want because they're God, uh, when the Pope comes out and says there's no hell, it's a really sad thing for the Christian religion because they believed in hell and now there's no hell. So what's that mean to them? They can go out and kill people now and just say they're sorry? Well, have you, Bob, Tommy, have you seen, um, there are television shows, more television shows about prison life than I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yes, I know. It's incredible. And And, I want you more. I mean, why is that? Are they conditioning all of us uh, that, hey, you know, this is not so bad. Uh, Look, the the state or government will take care of you. You know, it's, it's like a forced retirement. But then Bruce. you also see all these other shows about murders. And who's well, no, getting Bruce. all these murders that are taking place? Did you ever watch Locked Up, Locked Up uh, Abroad? Basically, it's prison camps oh. in other countries. Right. Because okay. uh, they're not like the United States. You don't have an air conditioner. You don't have ping pong. You don't have three meals a day. You don't get to watch TV. You don't get to go out and dance in your schoolyard or, or weightlift. I mean, they're not, they're not fun prisons. 
so in the United States, I guess they're gearing people up for FEMA camps more so than not. I don't know. Jesse Ventura exposed them. I don't know if you saw the video that he put on TV before uh, he was taken off when he showed the FEMA camp. And there's, there's, there's uh, rides and stuff for the kids in the, in the prisons and stuff like that because they take families and put them in there. So uh, just recently with all this happening in Hawaii, those FEMA barges were coming towards Hawaii. They're, they're about six miles right. offshore here. Don't know right. if they're really going to come in or not, what they're planning on doing with them. But I think if the volcano kept going and destroying more land, they would have brought them in and taken all these homeless people and put them on a boat. And guess where they would go? Right. Sure not to, to another uh, beautiful wonderland. Uh, so, yeah, there's programming at every level. And, and I, I, you know, I wish the UFO world was real. I mean, real to the people that talk in it. 90% of them are programmed. And I'm not going to say whether they were programmed by aliens or humans, our government, or they just had a bad dream. So that's three scenarios that are all not beneficial to the human race. So when these people talk about, oh, the aliens are going to do this for us, do what for us? They're going to teach us to become spiritual. How do they do that? What are they going to teach us? They don't know nothing about God. What are they going to teach us? How to travel the universe? Is that the ultimate goal? Why? If you live on a planet that's beautiful, why not make it and keep it that way? Why do you go ahead and destroy it to go to another place to destroy somewhere else? So the whole factor is, is boggling. And I, I'm pulling away from it as much as I can. Uh, I try to keep my shows on Sunday spiritual because uh, I'd rather deal with that than talking about how... Uh, I mean, I'm friends with a couple of people. I mean, Travis Walton, his story, he wants to do the movie over. He's saying there was a lot of things that happened. You know, time makes you believe things or change things that happened. Stop forgetting what really went down. Time heals all wounds. And people that get abducted want to use the word experiences now and I, I can say this because I can't say the names of the people and I won't but there's a group of people doctors and scientists and lawyers they all have been abducted a hundred of them they're together as a group they're trying to understand what's happening they were offered millions of dollars to come out with their stories and they won't they don't want to give up their career as a doctor to become some clown saying he's, he was abducted in their viewpoint, but they want to know why they were abducted. And see, here's the thing. People think, well, uh, they traveled to the universe to come here to abduct somebody. Why would they abduct you? What is the reasoning? They're desperate or they just don't care? I mean, these doctors want to know the answers, and I have a friend that's involved with that. So there's a lot of things happening. I mean, some people care. Some people really care what's going on and try to understand it, where most people say, yeah, it was just a bad dream or a bad experience, which is many people, because many, peop many more people were abducted, and many people don't realize it. I started doing hypnosis with, with uh, people that have missing time, and that missing time is pretty critical when you have missing time in your life. Uh, I sure. did a UFO conference with a girl that was a missing time for a month. But she found out what it was. She was on a ship going under the moon. I mean, she had sexual abuse going on. All these things going on. There was aliens on the ship. But how credible is that story? And is it beneficial to us in any way? It screwed well, her life it up. Beneficial to her? It's not beneficial well, to her, is it? Right. Because her life is so messed up. She was crying all the time. She couldn't speak without crying. She wouldn't come out of the hotel room. 
I mean, she, I had her on my show a couple, two years ago, and she is dealing with it now. But she doesn't like to talk about it at all. So, I mean, you try to get rid of the pain in your life if it's really that painful. I mean, a person that's sexually abused, they try to forget it. Uh, and that's what you do. So when people get abducted, and I, and I remember, and I truly believe that the, the president actually said to them, you can abduct people, make sure they don't remember what happened. And they don't. And then if they do, they give them a stupid story to believe in. I mean, right. you can get 100 UFO people, and they'll all tell you these incredible stories, but not one thing will match. And on top of that, all these people that say they work with aliens can't pull something that they gave them. You think if you were with a race and they wanted the world to know, uh, they would prove it. And if aliens did, they would prove it. But they don't. So this whole thing about uh, exposure and, and bringing the truth out of UFOs and aliens, they're only proving that UFOs are real. And that's where we are now in this time frame. When, it, when there's all these other things, army fights and wars and stuff in space, and we're still only trying to deal that, oh, that's a real UFO. And what's that mean? Something's driving it. I mean, people don't even want to go that far. And then 90% of the people that I talk to want to know that the good aliens are going to come help us. Why? Good aliens don't kill people. Bad aliens do. So how do you, how's a good person fight a bad person? They don't. And that's why Jesus said, turn your cheek, because if you try to kill a, a murderer you're going to end up getting the same karma that that person has or that being, entity, creature, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it's dramatic. And and sadly, that word, the Anunnaki, is so powerful because of Zachariah Sitchin that a biggest percentage of the UFO world believe it totally. They believe the Sumerian tablets the way Zachariah Sitchin translated it. And you know more than anybody, the translation of a formula even could be something totally different. Uh, so when well, it comes no, out, Sitchin wasn't perfect in his translation. We know that. There's been enough examples of, of his errors in his thinking and interpretation, but uh, he he did make a major contribution in terms of uh, uh, changing uh, the way we looked at the uh, this situation, uh, ancient uh, society. Um, but all of well, the things you know, that are coming out on ancient aliens, I, I'm not exactly sure that I can accept everything that uh, they're, they're proposing about the, well, uh, our the ancient civilizations. My belief, my truth, and why I'm doing the show, you cannot talk about something you did not experience. So uh, I'm friends with one of the top speakers on the Anunnaki in the world today, him and his wife. I'm not really friends with him anymore because I just disagree with everything. But he, he went to school with Zachariah Sitchin, and, and he's completely cloned of Zachariah Sitchin. And who is this right. Zachariah Sitchin? Again, he created the fear of the Anunnaki as well. So we have races here. We had multiple races, and they don't talk about the Draconians and the other races that were here. I mean, there was, there was other bad races, uh, like the, I mean, uh, the Enochi, Enochian beings uh, and those kind of creatures and entities and all that. But they don't want to talk about demons. They don't want to talk about other things that all manifested after uh, Nikolai Tesla opened up the vortex. And that's another reality that we're in now. So we have to be a little more open to truth and accept something outside of the box we live in. I'm open if, if I could see something that I can prove or disprove. And I always feel whatever you think you believe in, 
prove it to yourself at least. I don't care if 10 million people believe it or 10 billion people believe it. If you don't prove it to yourself, it's useless. If what you perceive to be your God, your being, your energy, your force, prove it to yourself. I mean, even the psychic abilities, I had to prove they were all real when I was younger. But when I became empathic, it was the most scariest part of my life. When you could actually see things that everybody else can't, uh, it becomes becomes dramatic for a word being able to see people's thoughts and hear them say it uh, and they say well how are you not making it up I proved it to myself every day so yeah when people say they can do this and that I say do it oh well I can and they never prove it nobody came out and says I could levitate a car I mean I'm not a magician I was a magician as well but levitate a car and send it to another planet or send it to another country. Go ahead. Do it. Don't just say you can levitate something. Do it. Prove it. Now, I know this one show on Ancient Aliens, whether it was Ancient Aliens or not, a couple of them together, where this one guy was searching for somebody that could levitate. And he searched the world. He found this Buddha, a Buddhist, uh, a Lama guy up in the mountains who said he could levitate. And he went up there and he was given permission to meet with this guy he was allowed to step into the room, and this guy was on the other side of the room, sitting on the floor, and he levitated about six inches, and then he came down, and that's all he was able to see, but not even able to touch him, go around him, or even get close to him. It's sad. If you have an ability, if you claim to have an ability, which some people do, prove it. Prove it to the world. I mean, that other person that came out and said he could call an alien ship down whenever he wants, uh... And not to go to go on record, I had a friend, a teacher that I studied with, who said he could do that any time. And I said, okay, prove it to me. We went up on a roof, uh, a six-floor six building, up on a roof. And I said, I'm going to call a ship up. And it came right over us. He said to me, they're not going to land today. Next time they will. And that was, I, we, I ended up leaving that teacher. I uh, had serious problems and everything, but I saw him do it. And he did it. So when you claim things, or if you're going to say things, at least have it in your past life experience. Or, I mean, you're in your physical experience. If you're going to say, I saw a UFO, make sure you see it. Don't say, I know he said he saw it, so I saw it. No, you didn't. So all those people on ancient aliens don't have any experience in what they're talking about. They have ideas. Everybody has ideas. Yeah, how many, how many, how many of those people that you see on Ancient Aliens have actually uh, claimed to be experiences or abductees? How many None of them. have been off the alien ships? Huh? None of them. Now you go into uh, George Norrie. Uh, he's another one. People want to pay to see him and listen to him. He never was an experiencer. He was never abducted. He was never anything. But he talks about everybody else's experience. Now Kerry Cassidy, uh, I brought it to a to my friend's house and she filmed the ship over the house uh, she, uh, she came she came for one day uh, I had a, a, a woman with me as well and we filmed aliens there as well I saw orbs crashing into the ground so it was as real as it could get but I had a break friendship with that person too because he had too many lies in his background into what he was telling me he claimed he killed 18 greys he had one of the greys blood analyzed by the same person that worked on EB. And he put the report out, what the blood was, it's still online. And then he was also, he also died. Uh, and I know too many people that died 
or like you would say, get put away, get locked up, and things like that. Uh, the truth's there. But don't talk about a truth if you don't know the truth. If you never had a death experience, you don't need to talk about it. Because you have no clue. I mean, uh, people that want to go on about experiences, at least talk about actual experiences. Because every little feeling that a person that went through it has isn't something that you're going to be aware of or even understand. So uh, I'm, I'm against ancient aliens. I mean, they're, they're con- contact conferences all the time now. They're having three or four a year now. Uh, and they don't put nothing new out. The, the new series is back on, and it's the same old stuff, except they mention about Trump and Putin, which I know for a fact is a, tr- is a serious problem right now. But uh, they mentioned that. I was surprised they did that even. Uh, I don't want to get into that with this part of our, with this part of our show, but uh, that's another serious situation going on right now. The new space army, the new uh, let's get to Mars before he gets out of out of office, and all the things Mr. Trump is saying. Uh, sorry, Trump is saying. Uh, yeah, we're we're in a critical mess right now. That way, even, and our money. So. Okay, here's a question I have for you. You've been around. You, you, you know a lot of things. You, you're much more aware about all this. Do you, have any, you see any solutions for any of it other than letting nature take out half of the world? <laughs> wow. wow. Uh, uh, the, uh, the one thing that I find going back to my thought on is that there has to be uh, a change in, in people's uh, in the way we look at each other. Instead of treating each other as materiological, we treat each other as you would uh, uh, point out that we uh, are sympathetic towards each other and care about each other. I would want to see a change in uh, human uh, emotional state. So that, so that we do not, we do not uh, 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 have this propensity to, 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 to violence. Well, you know, the thing, one thing I would add to that, because now millionaires and billionaires, I mean, some of them donate a lot of money. I'm not saying they don't. But to put that kind of money in a place that does nothing, and they're going to die, and that money's still going to be in that place. Imagine, and I just say, why give the money away when you die? Why not give it away and watch what you can do with it? I mean, if you were a billionaire right now, and, and like I, I, I've been trying to get in to- touch with Oprah for 15 years. I said, imagine, I know she created this thing in Africa and everything, but inside the United States, you live here. So imagine building a center in every town for abused women. What you could do. Or, 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 or children that need a real home. These forced to created homes with multiple children are even a better place than some of the places they're put. So imagine taking this money that's sitting there doing nothing and do something incredible with it. I don't understand that. Sure, I'm not a billionaire or a millionaire right now, and I don't want to be because somewhere in the interim, it's like a disease. Money in itself affects the brain. It doesn't affect the soul, but it affects the brain, and, and the brain thinks more money. So if we can... Separate the idea that people that play sports shouldn't get paid millions of dollars. People that beat people up shouldn't get paid $180 million to beat somebody up. How is that possible? In the United States. I mean, in, 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 the, in the old days when they, had the, uh, when they had the gladiators and stuff, how much did they pay to go to see a gladiator fight? 
anything. Uh, but in the interim now, we're no better. I mean, we're a lot worse because we put lots of money. You have three children. I got to bring them all to the game. All that money. And you can watch a game and then another. How many children die within that hour, two hours of that time frame? Starvation, homeless, and things like that. Do people reflect on anything other than their own personal ego and what's going on in that realm? It's sadly not true because uh, we can program them with aliens now. Well, the aliens are going to help you. They're going to make everything better. So let's put a daydream, and I call them uh, visionaries, which Barbara Max Hubbard is one of the top visionaries on the planet right now, I guess. She's one of the oldest ones who talk about this perfect future. And then I heard uh, the Dalai Dalai Lama come out and say, maybe in four reincarnations, incarnations, the world will be at peace. Uh, we can't make it through in the next 20 years if we don't form some kind of boundary as far as peace and love and compassion. Uh, something has to change because the weapons we play with are too dangerous. I mean, the CERN, people have no clue. I mean, you mentioned CERN, mentioned HARP, mentioned chemtrails. Most people still don't know what they are. How could you not know what's destroying the planet? I just asked a guy today, you know what fracking is? No, I, I know they do it. Uh, they do fracking, and you don't know what it is? They do it here in Hawaii, and you don't know what they're doing? Don't you think it would be interesting to know what they do in your own own country, your own state, your own island? I mean, uh, it's amazing how people block out everything else. And sure, if you say you want to go have sex, you want to go out and party, that's the first thing they'll say yes to. And then what did he tell you? Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about God. Don't talk about anything. Let's talk about the weather and getting high. I guess that's where mentality is supposed to be. So, uh, Bruce, you know, I know your stories are incredible as well. Uh, we, we create and live with our stories. How much we want to bring them out to the world is up to us, whether we even feel we should or we shouldn't. It, it is critical because if we do, we are looked upon. I'm looked upon as crazy. I accept it, and I'll say it. I'm crazy, go insane. And I don't mind doing that and being that because most people are sane going crazy. I'd rather be going in the opposite direction than everybody else. Uh, th- that's just the way I feel. But uh, when you deal with other people and you go to a party, oh, you don't talk about that stuff. Oh, nobody wants to hear about that. What do you want to talk about? I went to the most bizarre places and the bizarre things going on, and you still can't talk about certain things there either. But you could talk about bondage, you can talk about all these other strange, bizarre situations, which is okay to those people. So, yeah, we we have to. I don't know. Even you, you know the name. Uh, well, he claims to have the Ark of the Covenant. He claims he's going to change the vibration of the planet. Nassar Harriman. He was here in Hawaii. He wanted to get a couple million dollars because he wants to buy a machine that will link his up with the one that the government has. Uh, he has and he's and he has a multiple following. Uh, Melchizedek. Two years ago, he came out said publicly. He was going to introduce the crystal race, which lives inside the earth, to the world. So these people that make these claims, 
why don't they have a follow through? You're going to make a claim that big. You need to prove it. Yeah, follow through. And do something. Yeah, something of it. Right. If you got that capability, you follow I mean, if you do, if, I mean, it's a big if, and it's a good story. It makes a good way to make people come and pay and give you money. But, but the action... Is that the bottom the action, line? Money? Right. What's the bottom line? Yeah, you know, give me, give me, give me. I want money. I want, uh, right. It's, it's about money. It's not... See, I'm, I've been giving my books away now for, for many years. I just feel the truth's in it, and people need to have it, and I don't care if they pay for it or not, and I really don't want them to pay for it. Uh, my new book, hopefully in a year I'll be giving it away for free. I mean, uh, I still want to, I have it out there. Uh, I didn't put it out to make money. I put it out there to put the truth out there that I perceive is true. And what I say in my teaching, the way I talk, is listen to what I say, prove to yourself what you can about what I say. And if you can't prove anything, don't accept anything. I'm not making you a trying to. When Jesus said, he who have no faith, follow me, he didn't want people that have a programmed idea that weren't willing to let go of it. You can't be in a space where you're not ready to move from one space to the other. If the space is a better space, why wouldn't you move into it? If you're in a cave that's two feet by six feet and you're standing there, and you can move into a cave that's a thousand feet wide, wouldn't you rather take that space and move into a bigger space? Or would you rather stay in a little teeny spot and stay there? You've got a choice. Soul has its choice. And if we don't proceed to move forward, we don't. And all the options that we have, we have to realize, I mean, and I hate to go back to the Ten Commandments. We need to believe who we are and understand that before we could accept anybody else as our teacher, our ruler, our controller and the laws if they're wrong we're supposed to change them well we can't change them well you know you give up so much you never could get back what you give up when you give up too much because your life will be over I mean we have a short time 125 years on this planet isn't a long time I mean and if you made it longer you would just be a longer zombie walking around on the planet seeing your family die but uh, 125 years is the max right now. So do you want to live that long? I don't. I don't know why people would want to. But see, people hold on to their limited perception, their limited awareness, and they're not willing to increase that, which is easy. It doesn't take that much energy. It takes time to make that grow and grow and grow. And just like a plant, you got to keep watering it. But if you do certain things, it will grow. But if you don't try, it doesn't do anything. If you stay programmed and listen to the programs, if we listen to Trump all day long, we listen to what other people say, we don't go anywhere better than where we are right now. If we can come out with the truth and at least put a better awareness of what's going on. And I, I didn't think we'd have so much in common because uh, evolution is there. And I'm not saying it's not, but we need to, if we have the ability to create evolution for ourselves, why not make it better? Make ourselves better. We don't need three arms and ten legs or none of, none of that stuff, but we need to be real to ourselves so we can be real to the world. 
I mean, the animals, they're the victim. I don't think there's one creature on this planet that somebody doesn't eat somewhere on the planet, which is pretty scary. I mean, China, cats and dogs. I mean, go to these countries where they eat people. I mean, they're still eating people. And I don't even want to get into that. That's a sick, perverted idea, but it's still real. So when do we stop? <laughs> Cut it out. Uh, I just got a joke told me. But uh, we need to look at reality. Where do we want to plant our next foot? How far do we want to take that, that path? And the path is never ending. If people realize that Earth isn't the ultimate destination, maybe they would want to leave it. Uh, the same as insects. They're happy here. But then again, if you look at how nature created all things, just about every creature has a terror attacking creature attacking them. I mean, even the dolphins are attacked by sharks. I mean, sharks are attacked by dolphins. Whales can scarf up things. Kill a whales eat almost everything. I mean, there's something that attacks something else all the time. The cat kingdom attacks almost everything running in the woods. So it's not like you're, there's certain creatures that aren't attacked. Turtles are one of the few creatures that don't have a real aggressive attack except the human race now. And when we become the terrorist to creatures, it's pretty sad. Uh, like you said, evolution created a system that they all interact and take out each other to keep it in balance. Mankind doesn't know what the word balance means as far as creatures, animals, fish, and nature. Uh, and we change it. We alter the air. We've been altering with chemtrails since the 50s. And I don't think people have a clue. You don't, you don't think in even 50 years people would understand what a chemtrail is and how they used it in the 50s? Uh so there's history out there that people could read and get a greater understanding of, of the things that really affect our reality in the present. And that's where we live. I mean, we could live in dream world. We can live in fantasy world. But we are here in this physical reality, looking at people, working with people. We have children, families. Do we respect each other? And the word respect, I mean, in the Bible, I mean, the Ten Commandments, it talks about respect. Respect is you have to be respected, but you also have to give respect back. You don't get respect from not giving it out. Because if a father wants a child to respect them, they have to respect their child as well. It's a two-way deal. It's not a one-way deal. And since man interprets a lot of things, it's always about man. The whole Muslim religion is based on man, not woman. Uh, again, we can go into that, which I don't mind. I know some people do. Uh, I I deal with the truth. I deal with the reality. And, and the, the bottom line is, no matter what you believe, no matter what you say, look at reality of what it does. Does it help people in any way? Prayer. Everybody believes in prayer. Prayer doesn't change. We're still the most ignorant race alive right now. And all the prayers that get said every day, everywhere around the world, by every race, and we're still that... And look at the churches that claim they pray. Really? To what? Abduct children? So it's sad society. And and I agree, Bruce, and I, I know you agree with me a little about the world needs to be cleaned off. We can't move forward. That's why I totally understand why Noah's Ark happened. And they don't even have that story right. Science wants to make it into this new age space thing. No, it was simple. If you even read the Bible, you would understand what Noah's Ark was about. 
It wasn't about getting all the animals on the planet and putting them in a boat. It was 120 pairs of animals. There's thousands of animals and creatures on the planet, thousands and thousands. They couldn't have fit, couldn't have gotten any of them because they were on the other parts of the world. People are just so ignorant. The facts, I mean, even when the facts in front of their face, they translate it to make it fit their own belief. When ancient aliens say they took the DNA of all the animals and put them in a boat. Really? I mean, it's, it's just this weird idea. They found the uh, Noah's Ark. They never really pulled it completely out, but they found it. Uh, so when they talk about, oh, it's never been found, people don't follow the facts. They don't follow the information. Like even the Ark of the Covenant, one of the most important objects on the planet. And nobody knows where it really is right now. Why is that? The sword, of, uh, the, the, sword the lance that pierced Jesus. That was fought after by country after country. To show you the controlling fact of that alone. So where are we going with our belief, our teachings, and all the knowledge? Science is helping us take a step forward in what direction? In an erection of, of a 10-hour erection? Oh, but it's not supposed to be longer than four hours? I mean, where are we really going? Uh, we lowered ourselves to animal level. We didn't rise above it. I mean, it's just sad. Bruce, in your life, I mean, you saw it all too. And, and you've been... A problem involved with certain situations where it attacked you as well. You know, truth is really hard because nobody wants it out there. And if it was out there, it could only make things better. I mean, if if the whole world knew we were dealing with aliens at a, at a at a at a serious level, it might become important. We might agree with a, a space army and different things, but for a real reason. Not because, well, Trump said he wants an army, space army, to go to Mars. Uh, why do we need to go to Mars? Did, did anybody tell the world why? Maybe the world's going to be destroyed and they want a few people to be saved? I mean, what's the real reason? Uh, Jesse Rentour was an idol to me when he was doing his show. He went after the facts all the time. He was on for two years. And then finally they got to him. Uh, when they killed... Uh, Fred Bell. Uh, the last show that Fred Bell was on, when he was, you saw that, did you see that, Bruce? Which, the last what? When Jesse Ventura was with Fred Bell? No, I didn't. I didn't see that. Two one. days later, Fred Bell was dead in his hotel room. All right. The beginning wow. of that show, the opening line was Jesse goes to Fred, Well, aren't you worried about the government coming after you? And then Fred Bell says, No, I work for the government. And then Jesse Ventura goes to him, but what about me? He goes, well, you're a high, high figure. They can't come after you. And then they got into the whole Tesla's weapons and everything, that show. Mm-hmm. Two days later, be- before Fred Bell left his hotel room, he was found dead. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the truth's out there. And people that try to bring... See, I don't attack the government in general because they're protecting the rich people. That's all they care about. And that's all they're getting paid to do. If they were getting paid to protect the poor people, they'd be protecting us. But they're not. And do we have the money to do it? The same as the Philippine Islands. They slaughter 10,000 dolphins every month. And uh, I can't think of his name. The one that trained Flipper, uh, he created the movie The Cove. He said, look, how much would you want to stop killing 
They said, if you give us $50 million, we'll stop killing the dolphins. So it's all about money. They sell the teeth. They sell, I mean, it's just horrible. But we can't stop it. And then we got the Animal Society, Humane Society, saying, no, sign a document that stop the, them killing the dolphins, stop them from killing the whales. Sending a letter to another country is like sneezing in the wind. Unless you get an army and go over there and stop it, it's not going to stop. The Japanese slaughter whales daily. They got a cannon boat on the ocean, which is illegal. You think the government stops it? No. I mean, Greenpeace tries to, and they're called the terrorist group. In Japan, they got in the schools. I don't know if you know this, Bruce, but they serve real dolphins, not the fish, the food to the children in schools. They got whale restaurants. So tell me, uh, who's going to stop that? I mean, it's sickening. Right. It, I, it's just horrible. And and that's just one little thing. I call a, a big thing in my viewpoint. But to people, oh, well, that's Japan. Well, the whales are almost extinct. They said one place in the Antarctic, one race, one species of whales didn't come there this year. I wonder why. Now here in Hawaii, we got the harp system, and they put these black boxes along the shoreline. So now the dolphins don't come in there anymore. So why are they doing this? There's reasons why the government does everything. And I say, you have to be realistic. They don't do things because they want to try something out. They'll say they're trying it out. They just want to make sure that it's doing what they want it to do. They drop bombs in Hawaii to test them and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. We are the number one self-defense to the United States. We're the first center of an attack. So, yeah, it has to be up to par. But what, what, what and who is responsible for that and who has to pay the uh, problems because of that is us, people. And here's something that people don't know. In Hawaii, and it's on the news like every couple months, eight out of ten people are going to come down with a lung disease or respiratory problem before they die. Is that nice thing to know? And then they just came out with something about cancer now here. So we're, we're in a toxic level of air, pollution, and, and chemtrails and all that. And people are still dormant. Well, what's a chemtrail? Look up right now. You'll see them in the sky. Oh, isn't that a chemtrail? Do you know the difference between a chemtrail and a chemtrail? I wrote to Congress. I got a letter back. Please send your emails to this email address. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that because who knows what that address is going to do to me. But again, he sent back, well, a chemtrail is this. I said, I know what a chemtrail is. Do you know what a chemtrail is? And that's when he said, well, send to this government address. And I said, no, thank you. But again, Michael, Michael Murphy, who was the first person to really go out about chemtrails, about 15 years ago, I was friends with him because he was here in Hawaii for a couple of years. And I, I was shooting like hundreds of pictures of chemtrails and sending them to him and everybody else was. And he went around the world to Congress, to governments. Not one person in any country would speak to him about chemtrails. Not one. But I, I found out, oh, not recently, but Russia is the only country in the world that does not allow chemtrails over their country. They will not allow a plane to fly over their country to spray it, uh, which every other country does, and what it's doing to the planet. Uh, Russia wants warmer weather. They're into global warming. 
I mean, they want to have nine months of farming rather than four or five months of farming. Uh, so yeah, they got their reasons for it. So we have these this mentality of different races that if they learn to work together, like all these underground cities, which Jesse Ventura exposed, uh, what they're doing underground, hydroponics farming wasn't created for us above ground. It was created for all those cities underground. And when I first learned what the word was, I went to Disney World, the Disneyland, and they have the hydroponics farm there where you drive a train through it. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And they said 25% of the fruits and, and vegetables that are sold there is grown there, which I thought was really incredible. So in a, in a closed-in environment, it's a perfect way to, to produce food. Uh, so we have technology, but it's not for the poor or the middle-class people. And until we recognize that, uh, the rich people have too much control over the poor people. It's so hard for us to step in. I mean, look what Trump did to the native people when he first got in. Uh, they tortured and did all kinds of things to those native people fighting and, and standing there trying to protect their land. It was worse than the old days because they had helicopters flying over them in the middle of the night, 10 feet above their heads, blasting sound waves and, and steaming water at them, sending dogs on them all the time while they were chomping on them and things. It was horrible. And it got no press. Nothing Native American gets press on TV because the government still all out to eliminate the Native nation. And I know that. I got involved with that years ago. And uh, Sargell and I were in uh, Colorado. Oh, the other name I want to... Oh, Bruce. Our time's up. Our time's up. Okay. It was a pleasure having you on. I want to bring you on again sometime, all right? All right, very good. Thank you so much. And I enjoyed listening to uh, what you had to say. Thank you so much for coming on. Till next time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes, till next time. All right. Hopefully, TJ will be uh, able to come on next time. it's a pleasure to have you here. We're trying to create things, but there's so much going on with Stargate to the Cosmos, which is becoming a really big thing now, uh, and it's getting more publicity and more more people getting involved. Uh, check it out. I'm not going. I wish I would, would create one soon, too, uh, somewhere, but we'll see. It's, it's funding. Love and light, everybody. Hope you have a good day, night, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. Look for the truth always. Never settle for anything less. Peace. Good night, Tommy. Good night. Good night.